Welcome to Friendly Words, the sermon podcast of Pratt Friends Church in Pratt, Kansas. The message you're about to hear was originally preached at Pratt Friends Church on Sunday, January 23rd, 2022. It focuses on our need to trust God rather than the world around us for truth about our situation, however desperate it may seem. The message to all who will listen is waiting on God's answer is worth it in the end. Now, here is Pastor Mike Neifert. So, I want to start out with prayer, and I'm going to be preaching a message entitled, Waiting on Fullness. God, thank you for your goodness to us, and I pray that this would be a blessing to those who hear. And God, thanks for the opportunity to speak your word, and I pray your word would accomplish everything that you desire. In Jesus' name, amen. So, let me ask you a quick question. How many miles can your car go after the low fuel light comes on? Uh, Anybody here know? Well, I know exactly how far or close to how far my car can go. And let me tell you how I know. A couple of years ago, my wife and I were driving our minivan toward Denver, Colorado to visit family late on a Sunday afternoon. Hours earlier, we had stopped somewhere in Kansas, don't remember the exact city, but we had stopped and filled up our gas tank, and I had been sort of paying attention to the needle on our gas gauge ever since that. Evidently not close enough attention, though, because we were trucking along Interstate 70 at 75 miles per hour, that is the speed limit there, when the low fuel light came on. It is not a light that I see often. I'm one of those guys that seldom lets the gas gauge get down below half a tank. If I do see the yellow light blink on when I'm at home, there's a pump within a few blocks. I was not near home at this time. We had just gone through Flagler, Colorado, I think, and Lyman was nearly 30 miles down the road. Could we make it there? I didn't really want to find out. So at the next exit, which was Arriba, I pulled off the highway in search of a filling station. There is no such facility in the town of Arriba, which has 184 human beings. Back onto the highway we went, the low fuel light still shining brightly. It is 13.6 miles from Arriba to Genoa on I-70. I checked the mileage on Google Maps so that you would know. And my stress level rose steadily throughout this 13.6-mile trek between cities. I'm not sure you would call them that because Genoa's population is 130 human beings, none of which own or operate a gas station on Sunday afternoon. Any of you know how far it is from Genoa to Lyman? It's about 10 miles. Not far, unless your low fuel light's been on for nearly 20 miles already. My heart was beating wildly within my chest. You'll be happy to know that our 2007 Toyota Sienna will continue to take us down the road at least 30 miles after it warns its tank is nearing depletion. Oh, man. (laughs) Just thinking back to that still makes my blood pressure rise just a little bit. I'm glad that my car that's sitting out in the parking lot right now is at around a quarter tank, and I'll go fill it up here in a little bit. If it wasn't at that level, I suppose I wouldn't sleep very well at night. 
Well, there's this woman in the Bible that I'd like to talk to you about. She was about as empty as anybody could be. The low fuel light on her heart had been on for quite some time, and there was little hope of being filled. She'd been waiting for so many years, she was becoming desperate. Here's how her story in the Bible begins, and I'm reading the first two verses of 1 Samuel chapter 1. There was a certain man from Ramathame, a Zephite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zeph, and Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. That last sentence, what a loaded statement. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. In a culture that prized progeny, one woman is, in the eyes of the world, full and blessed by God, worthy of honor, respected by all who watch her walk by, kids trailing behind her. The other is, in the minds of many, despised, empty, accursed, worthless. Not one child follows in her footsteps. She can't even produce a daughter, let alone a son. Hannah had none. You know, sometimes as an older person, in a culture that values youth and productivity, perhaps uh, I sometimes feel a little like Hannah. Maybe you do too. Maybe you remember the kind words that were spoken at your retirement party, if your company even bothered to throw one, but they kind of ring hollow now. No one seems to care that you exist. One day runs into another with little variance. People rush around you like you're an impediment. To their more important endeavors. Empty. At least of what the world values, maybe you have none. Enemy whispers worthless in your ear. You're tempted to believe the lie. It is a lie as much as the lie of Hannah's day. Women who bore no children weren't useless. They weren't human rubbish. There's a song we sing at our church from time to time in worship written by Tommy Walker. The title is, He Knows My Name, and it speaks to every person who might feel less than accepted. Here's how it goes. I have a maker, he formed my heart, before even time began, my life was in his hands, he knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls, and he hears me when I call. Was Hannah's life in God's hands? Yes, a thousand times yes. He knew her name, her thoughts, her tears, and we're going to see it eventually. He heard her when she called. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. If we skip to the fullness part of Hannah's story too quickly, we miss part of what God wants to say to us. So, please pay attention. God knows your name. He knows your thoughts, your tears. He knows how true the tempter's lies seem to you. But the words you hear, empty, worthless, passed over, they aren't his. They are not the truth. Hear your master's words. Please hear them from John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I, that is Jesus, have come that they may have life and have it 
to the full. If your life doesn't seem full or feel full, wait on the Lord, the one who brings fullness. The emptiness that you experience is not from him. Reject it and ask for God's fullness. Ask and wait to see what God is going to do. Trust him as you wait. At the beginning of her story, Hannah had none. As it progresses, we learn despite the hardship she endures, she has more than the intro let on. Picking up where we left off at verse 3, we read this. Year after year, this man, that's Elkanah, went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. This went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. Her husband Elkanah would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? It's really hard to enjoy life when the you are so low light is constantly blinking and someone keeps reminding you how worthless they think you are. Year after year, this was Hannah's plight. Her rival spitefully provoked her to tears. Penina ruined what should have been a blessed time with family and God. The whole clan was there to celebrate and give thanks, but Hannah couldn't. Hannah still had none. Now, I hope you don't have a Penina in your life, a person who always gets you down, a person who sours your mood so it's hard to rejoice in the Lord and give thanks. I hope also that you aren't a Penina in someone else's life. Some churches falter because there's this grumpy Gertrude who frowns at every new idea an enthusiastic believer suggests, or a sour Sam who speaks disparagingly of the pastor and his puny messages. Well, sometimes they are that way, but uh, not you though, right? You speak life-giving words to others when you see them. You encourage and build up. You care for those struggling to hear God's truth above the lies of the enemy. You pray for them, encourage, support. That's you. Years ago, I memorized Ephesians 4.29 because I needed its words to come quickly to mind when I was angry or frustrated or hurt. Here's what Paul wrote to the church. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. If you leave people weeping in your wake, you aren't getting it. If every other word from your mouth tears people down, you're out of line with God's plan for your life. Don't tell me. I just speak the truth and they can't handle it. We are commanded to speak the truth in love. If your words are not helpful or encouraging, they are not godly words. In the timeless words of Bob Newhart, Stop it! There's this bright spot in Hannah's life, though. Her husband Elkanah loves her. His words are full of love and care. Hannah doesn't hear them. She doesn't believe them, but he speaks them anyway. He longs for her to know the truth, that she is loved. 
Earlier, I hoped out loud you didn't have a Penina in your life. I hoped you weren't one also. Let me hope out loud now that you do have an Elkanah in your life and perhaps that you are an Elkanah to others. It's people like Elkanah that make life bearable even when things aren't going so well. They make waiting for fullness not so bad. Yeah, the light's still blinking, but you've got a concerned friend in your corner. I'll bet some of you are near your Elkanah. Maybe your wife's sitting across the room as you listen to this message, or perhaps you have a son or a daughter nearby, or you've got a friend or a co-worker that just helps you so much. Maybe if you're widowed, you have warm memories of your husband's kindness and encouragement that caused you to sense God's love and rejoice in him. Why are you weeping? God is good. Why are you downhearted? Look what he's done. Look at these good friends that he's given you. A gift from God himself. I believe sharing a testimony of what you see God doing in your friend's life may be the most life-giving, life-changing thing you can do for a fellow believer. There are so many discouraged, low-fuel saints who need someone else's perspective on what's good in their lives. Elkanah is the standard. Follow his ways. Speak hope into the lives of others. Well, whether you're ready or not, here we go into another section of Hannah's story. Verses 9 through 18. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow, saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. As she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was praying in her heart, and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. Eli thought she was drunk, and said to her, How long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. Not so, my lord, Hannah replied. I am a woman who is deeply troubled. I have not been drinking beer or wine. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. Do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Eli answered, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. She said, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went her way and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. How many years had Hannah wept and refused to eat despite Elkanah's patient urging? How many times had she shied away from worship because of Penina's shaming words? How many times had she refused to pray because hoping God might hear seemed ridiculous? When you're empty, going to God sometimes seems pointless. Go to him anyway. Cry out to him in the moments when darkness seems impenetrable. God sees every bitter tear streaming down your cheeks. He sees them, and he cares. Hannah begs, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant. Does God ignore her plea? Does he turn away? No. He looks on Hannah's misery, and he remembers her. We could be really hard on Eli if we wanted to be, couldn't we? He's not the most comforting man in the moment. He rebukes a woman who's praying earnestly, accuses her of public drunkenness. 
Way to go, Eli. Make the woman feel worse. Make her defend her actions. But don't miss this. Eli is the one who, once he gets straightened out, brings hope to this woman. He's the one who speaks God's blessing of peace. He prays for her and with her. Some of you have a friend who needs to hear you pray for them, who needs you to pray with them. They're empty. They feel all alone. They're sure God's forgotten them. Your words before God's throne on their behalf might light a fire of hope in their soul. What you pray may stir up faith in them, may lead toward the fullness God wants for them. The fact that you care enough to pray for and with them might empty their emptiness of its emptiness. I'm not saying that you are the one who fills them. I'm saying you can be a part of God's work of restoration. In Mark 2, Jesus saw not only the faith of the crippled man who was lowered through the roof to his feet, he also saw the faith of those who were holding the ropes. It says that Jesus saw their faith. That's why he acted. Do you know for a fact that one of your believing friends is in a low spot? Is the bright yellow light flashing on the dash of their life? Consider for a second, as bumbling as you may feel at praying, what God might do through you if you simply offer prayer for and with that friend. You can't be any worse with words than Eli was, and God used his words to encourage a desperate woman's faith. Don't miss how big the events of verse 18 are. Hannah ate something. For years she'd eaten nothing at the meeting place, and her face, was it a mask of pain? No, she was no longer downcast. God was at work in her life, even though Hannah still had none. Praise God. He's ready to work in your life. He's ready to work in your friends' lives. Let your faith grow. Let your faith encourage another's faith. Be part of God's mission to make full, abundant life a reality in his family. Is the story of Hannah's waiting over? Well, not quite. Let's read two more verses. We're ready for verses 19 and 20. Early the next morning they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home at Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife Hannah and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel saying, Because I asked the Lord for him. Hannah had one. Why did she have one? Because after all the years of waiting, after all her praying and praying and praying and praying some more, God said yes. I don't know why he didn't say yes earlier. I'm sure he could have given this woman a son years before he did. He's God. He's got power to spare. He creates and sustains life. Hannah prayed to God because she knew he could grant her a son. She kept praying to him because she knew he was the only one who had the power to change her life's situation. What are you waiting for from God? Some of you may have a child or a grandchild who is far from the faith. You pray day and night for her to come to Christ for salvation. Others may be asking for a spouse. You're lonely and feel a need for a companion to share life with you. Maybe you need a little extra income to close the gap between the end of the month and the end of your money. No one wants to hire an old guy, but you're asking God for what you need. Don't give up. Talk with God over and over and over again, knowing he can help and will help in his perfect timing. When is that? 
I don't know. I freely acknowledge this truth as hard as it may be to accept. God's timing for some of what you and I pray for may be after we're gone. Whatever it is you've been praying about for years, keep praying. Keep trusting. Pray and wait for the empty to be filled by God. Hannah named her son Samuel because she asked the Lord for him. When God said yes, she praised his name and gave her boy to the Lord for his service. Read to the end of 1 Samuel 1 and you'll see it. And if you blow through the artificial chapter break into 1 Samuel 2, you'll hear this woman who waited and waited and waited for God to say yes, sing or shout, I'm not sure which, praise to the one who granted her request. Listen to Hannah's voice as she exalts God. These words, her words, are found in 1 Samuel 2, 1 through 10. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord my horn is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows, and by him deeds are weighed. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were full hire themselves out for food, but those who were hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. The God Hannah praises is the God that you and I are waiting on, the one in whom you've put your trust. No matter what he does in response or how long it takes before he says yes, will you continue to trust him enough to keep bringing your heart's desires to him? Will you, like Hannah, praise him? Will you sing to him even as you wait? I want to close with a time of prayer. Bring your requests, your long-time petitions to God right now. If you need someone to pray with you, go find someone. A friend or a spouse, a parent, a child, somebody that can join you in praying about what you're seeking from God. As you do that right now, I want to sing a song that's based on the words of Psalm 130, verses 5 to 7. It's a song that I wrote several years ago. I wrote it so that I had words to use to praise God in the times when I was waiting on him. I pray it will be an encouragement to you as you go to God in prayer. Pray and worship if you're feeling empty and wait for God for his fullness. I wait for the Lord, my hoping wait. 
wait for the Lord, and in His word I put my hope. I wait for the Lord, ball and watchman wait for the morning. I wait for the Lord. I wait. I wait. I wait. that you would bless each person as they 
hear your word and experience your grace. I pray that as they cry out to you, that you would give them courage to continue to ask, continue to seek. And I know, God, that you're good and that you will in time answer, that you will fill them up. I praise you and I worship you today. Amen. We hope you have been encouraged and challenged by today's sermon. If you want to hear each week's message, be sure to subscribe to Friendly Words in your podcast app. May God bless you as you follow Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit.